You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We are in the last installments, uh, the fourth week of uh, this series, Remember This, a book study on the book of Malachi. Who among you here have been enjoying the series? I'm sure you are. No? So, wonderful uh, series, a four-week series. And um, you see, the book of Malachi is the last book, the last book of the Old Testament. And after this book, there's a 400-year gap between Malachi and the book of uh, Matthew. And so it's amazing. Lord, what are your words before the 400 years of silence? What are your words before the 400 years of, 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 uh, of darkness even? So just allow me to do a quick summary of the previous weeks. Week one, uh, we studied and we, we learned that it is the Lord that says, I have loved you. When you open up the book of Malachi, the first chapter, it already says, I have loved you. And here in this particular study, we understand that God is saying, Esau I hated, but Jacob I love. Now, why did God love Jacob and hate Esau? It is simply because of his sovereign plan. He simply says, the question is, why love anyone when everyone is a sinner? Who among you here know that you are loved by God? Amen. The reason why is because God simply loves us. And so we rejoice in His love. Amen. I have loved you. Week 2 talks about God as a great king. In the context of Malachi, in the context of the people during that time, the people were giving substandard uh, sacrifices, substandard offerings, substandard service unto the Lord, that it is now no longer honoring to God. So God had to, to say, I am a great king. I have loved you. How come you are not honoring me? Where is my honor? So that was the study on week two. Week three, just last week, Pastor Ariel preached a powerful message, a powerful preaching of the immutable, say it would be immutable, immutable characteristics of God, things that do not change with God. And, and he says, I do not change. I am the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. Great is the faithfulness of our God. Amen? Who among you here rejoice with the truth that God does not change? Amen? Let's give God praise. This God whom we worship, it's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Today, we will be on week four. We'll be closing up the series. We'll be ending uh, this series. And we will be talking about the last words of the last book of the Old Testament. It's the last of the last before 400 years of silence. The 400 years gap between Malachi and Matthew in that 400 years, there were no miracles, no word from God, no prophets. It was considered the dark years in biblical history. You see, the word of God brings light. It brings direction. Without God's word, we'll be groping in darkness. And this is what the Israelites experience after the book of Malachi. So would you join with me now as we go to our main text found in Malachi chapter 3 verse 16 over to Malachi chapter 4 verse 6. And this would be the last words, again, of the last book of the Old Testament. We'll be reading from the ESV version, English Standard Version, also known as Essentials of Victory. Okay, so, alright, so... Join with me now as we read, coming from, starting from verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and one who does not serve Him. 
For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. You shall thread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and the rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Let's all bow down our heads and pray. Father in heaven, we bless your name. We thank you, Lord God, for who you are and for what you have done. Lord, this afternoon we pray that you speak to the hearts of your people. Thank you, Lord God, for we are your people. You are our God. Whenever we gather in your name, you are in the midst of us. So, Lord, let your voice be clear upon the hearts and the ears of everyone. Bless the preaching of your word. Let your people be blessed. And let your name and your name alone be glorified. Then this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The last word of the last book of the Old Testament is this. Destruction. Utter destruction. I wish it was not so. I wish it was something else. I wish it was something light, something easy to preach. (laughs) But the Lord, the last word, the last book, the Old Testament says utter destruction. In chapter 1 of Malachi, it opens with, I have loved you. In the last book, Last word of Malachi, it ends with a decree with utter destruction. Utter destruction. And this is the Lord's words. This is the word of the Lord through the prophet Malachi. And I believe God does not give empty threats. I believe God is faithful to His word. In fact, the Bible says He keeps watch over His word to fulfill it. How many of you here know that God fulfills His word? And so this is a scary word. Utter destruction. You see, towards the end of Malachi, God now reveals His heart. God now reveals a character, a characteristic of His heart. That His heart will not let any sin go unpunished. God is a just God. And God is a holy God. Say with me, holy. You see, the God that we serve, the God that we worship, Sunday in, Sunday out, month in, month out, year in, year out, this God whom we serve is a holy God. That is an immutable characteristic of God. He is holy. That's why in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3, it says there this. Isaiah saw a picture of God. It's called a theophany. He saw a picture of God, a vision of God. He says, I see the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. And angels were calling out to one another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, friends, the God that we serve is a holy God. He is holy. The wickedness and the sinfulness of Israel will not and cannot affect the holiness of God. No matter how sinful or how wicked God's people are, His character, His holiness remains. It is immutable. Same is true with us today. Many times as we walk, as we go through our Christian life, as we go through this journey, 
Many times we stumble, we fall, we make a mistake, we sin. We sin before God. Sige, hindi lang kayo, ako na lang. Many times I walk, I stumble, I fall. <laughs> I sin before God. My sins does not change who God is. He is still holy. Holy, holy. The very reason that I can stand, that we can stand before the presence of a holy God is because of Jesus Christ. It's because of the merits of the cross of Jesus. We dare not stand, we dare not think that we stand in the merits or credentials of our own self-righteousness. We only stand by the grace of God. Amen? It is by the grace of God we are here today, this afternoon. Without the grace of God, we don't know where we will be. Amen? Can we give God praise for His amazing grace upon our lives? Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. You are a holy God. See, no one comes before God except through Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, in the book of Malachi, God is making a distinction. He will cause a distinction for His people. Righteousness versus wickedness. You see, God is holy and His people must be holy. God is holy, His people, His church, His children must be holy. The first disputation argument, the chapter 1 of Malachi, we discussed that a couple of weeks back. There is a distinction between wickedness and righteousness, but the focus is on God's people and the other people of the face of the earth. He says, Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated. But in this fourth chapter of Malachi, this is, the distinction is still the same. Righteousness versus, wick, versus wickedness, but now the focus is among the people of God. Among Israel. Among the people of God, there is wickedness. Among the people of God, there is sin. Among the people of God, there is rebellion. But somehow, somehow, God is now saying, I am holy and I will make a distinction for my people. There are those who embrace the covenant of God. There are those who serve God with all their hearts. But there are those who rebel against God and say, we will not serve God. Malachi chapter 3, verse 13 to 14 says this, Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. Can you imagine that? See, Lord, your words are so hard against me. The Lord says, Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, How have we spoken against you? You have said it is vain to serve God. It is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping His charge or walking as in mourning or repentance before the Lord of hosts? Among God's people. Can you look around? Just look around. We are the people of the Lord. Amen? Among, amongst God's people, there is complaining. There is grumbling. There is rebellion. And there is sin among the people of the Lord. That's why God says, then once more, once more, you shall see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve Him. God says, I will cause a distinction. You will see. Makikita mo, lilitaw aangat. May pagkakaiba. There's gonna be a big a huge difference between the righteous and the wicked amongst my people. You see, the tension here today is this, that the lines of righteousness and wickedness is so blurred. Hindi mo na alam, we don't even know which one is righteous and which one is wicked. In today's society, sometimes the lawmakers and the law enforcers 
are also the lawbreakers. You don't even know which is righteous, what's righteousness, and what's wickedness. Sometimes in business, people who do not honor the Lord by, by uh, let's say, paying their taxes or giving what is right to their laborers, yet they, they prosper. They advance in a cutthroat environment, making shortcuts here, compromises there, but yet they prosper. And we don't know now which is righteous and which, is, which ones are wicked. Ganito talaga dito ang patakaran namin. It's the way it is here. And so the lines of righteousness and wickedness are blurred. But you see, there is a final judgment. There is a righteous judge. And He is the Lord God Almighty. On the day of judgment, God will say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Or He would say, Away from me, you wicked servants. In the utter darkness where there is gnashing of teeth. There's going to be a final judgment. Righteousness and wickedness. God will cause a distinction. People will see. We will know. Bigat, no? Word ng Lord yan, eh. uh, By the way, I did a word search. You know, in your digital Bible, there's a search bar. You, you do a word search. Uh, I did a word search on the word wicked. Wicked. So it's my first time to do that uh, while I was studying this, this, this passage. I did a word search on the word wicked. And all the verses about wickedness came up. And believe you, you don't want to be wicked. You don't want to be wicked in the sight of God. The Word of God says, death and destruction are the reward of the wicked. The only reward of the wicked is death and destruction. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed because of their wickedness. They were destroyed with fire. And the Word of God, um, the, the, the verses would just come up and says, the wickedness the wicked are reserved for fire. Can you imagine that? We don't want to be wicked. We don't want to be wicked before the Lord. But he says, I will make a distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve Him. The one who serves God and the one who does not serve Him, the righteous and the wicked. In summary, what is Malachi saying? Malangai is saying this, that there are good deeds that the righteous do. And what are those good deeds? They serve God. What are the wicked deeds or evil deeds of, 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 wicked? What do, of the wicked? What do they do? They do not serve God. It seems to be that way. There are those who embrace the covenant of God, embrace the commandments of God, and there are those who simply rebel against God. But the question is this. What does it mean? What does the Bible say? What does it mean to serve the Lord? Does it mean that I have to be, I must be part of the ministry? Does that, does that translate to that? Or should I be part of the music team, the usher, ushering team? Or is that what it means? Is it a requirement now? Is that what it means? Certainly not. Certainly that we will come to full understanding more of what the Bible means on, on that term, serve the Lord. But for now, I just want to say, uh, take this time that, to say that we appreciate and we honor all of our volunteers. Thank you so much for serving alongside with us. Uh, see, Jerome said that th th there was a wonderful event last Friday. We did have a volunteer and appreciation night. I believe uh, to our volunteers and leaders, music team, tech team, ushering, kids' church. Can we just give God praise for these people? Thank you. Thank you for serving alongside with us. And we really appreciate what you do. We believe that God is honored and that God is glorified in your service. So we, we did have a volunteer and appreciation uh, day last Friday. Uh, there's about 2,300 2,300 volunteers. And so we, we, we had time to, to um, enjoy fellowship. And so there are some pictures. I'm going really fast because 
Uh, yeah, there you go. Again, the only reason, one of the things that, we're, uh, that, that enables us to do what we do here in Victory Alabang is because of our volunteers. Thank you so much for the men and the women who tirelessly volunteer in God's work. And so once more, we salute you. And once more, can we give God praise for our volunteers? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Sabi nila, the volunteers don't have salary. Not because they're worthless, but because they are priceless. Huh? They are priceless. Oh, hashtag, hashtag. All right, here we go. Here we go. What does it mean to serve the Lord? What does it mean to serve the Lord? Is it just during Sundays that we serve the Lord? Is that what it means? Is it, uh, is it, a, uh, is it a must-have? Is it a, a, a requirement for salvation? That doesn't mean... That, it's not a requirement to salvation. It, that is not what it means. Let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 10. It says there this, You shall worship the Lord, your God, and Him only shall you serve. You shall worship the Lord, your God, and Him only shall you serve. I want to focus on the word Lord. What does the word Lord mean? The, the word Lord means He is the boss. He calls all the shots. He makes the final decision. In our one-to-one, right? It says there, if Jesus is not Lord of all, then He is not Lord at all. Talks about Lordship. If Jesus is Lord, and I say Jesus is my Lord, I can't live life serving myself. I can't live life serving other gods or the gods of this world. I can't live that way because Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is whom I will serve. Amen? Is Jesus your Lord? Praise God. Him alone we serve. Amen? Let's give God praise. We serve the Lord. We serve the Lord. Service unto God does not mean volunteer work. Does not mean just volunteer work or the works of the hands. Service unto God comes from the heart. If in your heart of hearts, and in our heart of hearts, we say Jesus is Lord, then we submit to His Lordship, we submit to His commandments, we obey His precepts and His statutes, and we worship Him and Him alone. That is what it means to serve the Lord, to worship God and God alone. So it's not just about worshiping or serving God on a Sunday. Not just with the things that we do. We worship God or serve God with our lives. Not just on a Sunday, but on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. There's a resolution in our hearts that Jesus is my Lord and I will serve the Lord no matter what I do. So it's not just... it's not. Uh, there are many expressions of our service to God. Of course, you have the Sunday ministries, kids' church, music team, ushers, tech. Thank you so much for that. But if in our heart of hearts we want to honor God, then we will serve the Lord in various expressions. We can serve God in our business. We can serve God in our profession. We can honor the Lord. We can serve the Lord. So it's not just on a Sunday, but it's every day. Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says there this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices. Say with me, living sacrifices. Look at the person beside you. Say, oh, huh? Oh, huh? Oh, huh? To present your bodies as living, living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Say with me, worship. You see, worship is not confined at the beginning of the lineup of songs and stops at the end of the songs. No, 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 no. We worship God with our lives, not just with the songs that we sing. Amen? Here in the ESV, English Standard Version, it says spiritual worship. In the contemporary English version, 
it's translated this way. Dear friends, God is good. So I beg you to offer your bodies to Him as living sacrifices, pure and pleasing. That is the most sensible way to serve God. You see, worship and serving is interchangeable. That's why the word worship services, we have here in church, every Sunday, we have worship services. We render worship, we render services unto the Lord, and that becomes our worship. But again, it's not just confined on a Sunday, but it's confined by, by every day in how we live our lives, giving honor and glory to God. If Jesus is my Lord, I will serve the Lord and I will worship the Lord. That is what it means. In the camp, in the context of Malachi, there are some people who are not serving God. It doesn't mean they're not volunteering. It means their hearts do not honor God. It means in their hearts, they do not honor God as Lord. And, do, and they do not serve Him. They do not worship Him. Again, in the New King James Version, it says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Service. You see, service is same as worship. Service is same as obedience. Service is same as love. To love God is to serve God. We can say we love God but serve ourselves. We can say we love God and serve other gods. We can say I love God but I serve money. I serve fame. I can't say that. If I love God, I serve God. Amen? Do you love God? Praise God. Give God praise. We serve a living God. Worthy of our praises and adoration. You see, our motivation for genuine service, for genuine service, is really love. We love God, and we love the people of God. The reason why we serve. If you want to serve, then you must love. You must love. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15 says this, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom, whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors uh, serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, there is a resolution in the heart. As for me and my house, I'm making a decision. This is resolving my heart. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It is interesting how the passage says, Choose you this day whom will you serve. What gods will you serve? The gods of money? The gods of, of, of other nations? You know, anything that replaces God, anything or anyone that replaces God, is called an idol. Lodi. And there are four idols of the heart. Four idols of the heart. There's the idol of comfort. That's why people don't move out of their comfort zone and don't obey God because they love comfort. There's a, the, an idol of approval. The approval of men. That's why when compromising situations come, we'd rather please man than please God. Because there's an idol in the heart. An idol of power and of fame, of reputation. And also an idol of control. You want to control. These are idols of the heart. There are many idols in a man's heart. That's why the Lord is saying, decide to serve the Lord with all your heart so that there will be no room for any other gods. There will be no room for any other idols in our hearts. You see, if you don't serve God, the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if we don't serve God with all our hearts, we'll be serving other gods. We'll be serving other gods. That's why in the Ten Commandments, the first commandment is the first commandment because it is the first commandment. And it says, you shall have no other gods before me. 
You shall have no other gods before me. The very reason we fail in commandment number two, number three, number four, and so on is because we already failed in commandment number one. You shall have no other gods before me. In our heart of hearts, there's only one God, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's give God praise. Give God praise. Lord, in our heart of hearts, there are no idols. Wala pong lodi. Kayo lang po, Panginoon. That's why in Malachi, it says, Remember the law. Say with me, remember. Remember the law because we are a people who are prone to forget things. We forget the faithfulness of God. We forget the goodness of God. We forget the blessings of God. Dumaan na ang 13 month. It came to pass. It came and now it's gone. It went to pass. We forget the blessings of God. One time you were praying, Lord, makuha ko lang to. Promise, promise, promise. Magta tights na ako. Mm. <laughs> Of course, this is just extreme examples. In fact, these are sarcastic examples. That's to drive a point that we are a people prone to forget the goodness of God. Prone to forget the mercies of God. Remember that time when you're at the edge, end of your rope? Wala ka nang pupuntahan. Tumawag ka sa Panginoon at sinagot ka ng Panginoon. Amen? Great is our God. Remember the Lord. Amen? Can we give God praise? Lord, thank you. Thank you. If we will have a worship service devoted only to remembering the goodness of God, that worship service will never end. He is healer. He is provider. He is our firm, solid foundation. He is the God who gives us many, 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 many second chances. His mercies are new every morning. Going back to our text, Malachi says, Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I have commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Horeb is also known as Mount Sinai. It is the place where God gave the Ten Commandments to Israel through Moses. And it says, Remember the law. Remember the law. The first four commandments, one to four, talks about our uh, vertical relationship with God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no idols. You shall honor the name of the Lord. You shall honor the Sabbath day and make it holy. Commandment one to four talks about our vertical relationship with God. Commandment number five to ten talks about our, our horizontal relationship with man. Honor your father and mother. Do not commit murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not covet. Jesus summarized the Ten Commandments in the New Testament. And He says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's about love. It's about serving God. There is a direct correlation between our hearts and the work of our hands. If what we have in our hearts is good and honoring God, then the work of our hands would follow. Good and honoring God. Question is this. If we say we love God, then the next question is this. How do you express your love for God? How do you express your love for God? You say, I come here, I worship God because I love the Lord. Praise God. How do you express your love for God? What are the means that you express your love for God? 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 says this, For this is love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Because if we have experienced the love of Jesus, if we have experienced the love of God, we, our hearts now learn to love back, then it is with joy. It is our greatest desire to honor the Lord. Here in Victory, we say we exist for two reasons and two reasons only. The reason why we get up 
suit up, show up, Sunday in and Sunday out is for these two reasons. We want to honor God and we want to make disciples. Amen? And that's who we are as a people of God. Let's give God praise. We honor God. We bless the Lord. In our hearts of hearts, we bless God. You see, God encourages. God makes a distinction not to warn the wicked, but to encourage the righteous. He makes this distinction to encourage the righteous. In chapter 4, verse 2 to 3, it says this, But for you, say it me, you, but for you who fear my name, for you who serve the Lord, for you who obey in His commandments, for you who embraces the, the covenant of God, for you who love God, for you who serve God, but for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stalls. You shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the sole of your feet. On that day when I act, says the Lord, leaping like calves. Talks about freedom. You see, the the oppression and the affliction that the enemy has placed on us, this oppression and affliction that's keeping us down, these things that are holding us back, will be broken by the Lord. And we will be released with freedom like calves from the stall. God has promised freedom for His people. Amen? We are free. God has given us freedom. In Jesus Christ, as for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will arise with healing and strength and restoration. As we go through life, we face many, many battles. We face many, many trials. Many times we get wounded. Many times we have the scars. But you see, the promise of God is this. The Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its wings and we will have freedom from oppression and affliction of the enemy. You shall thread down the wicked. God will promise or has promised victory over wickedness. Be, you will trample wickedness under the soles of your feet. Romans chapter 16, 19 by 1, 16, 19 or 16, 20. For the God of peace will soon crush Satan Underneath your feet. God makes a distinction for His people and He shows His faithfulness. God shows His faithfulness and affirms His promises to His people. God listens and remembers. Malachi chapter 3, verse 16. We'll take a look at that. God promises to spare His people. Malachi chapter 3, verse 17. We'll also take a look at that. God promises to restore His people. Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. The people of the Lord, the one who serve God, those people who love God, the people who worship God. God listens and remembers. Verse 16, Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before Him of those who fear the Lord and esteem His name. God remembers, hears us, and remembers our prayers. Have you ever felt that your prayers are not heard? Have you ever felt that God does not remember your prayers? You see, this is the promise of God for His people. Remember this, says the Lord. Before 400 years of silence, remember this because my word stands and it will stand the test of time even 400 years. Remember this. I heard your words and I keep a book of remembrance of what you said. It's a book of remembrance. Many times, tayo nga, yung prayer item natin. Minsan nakakalimutan mo, pinagpray mo pala yun. Diba? You're lining up in that long line uh, of, of the shuttle service. And you said the prayer. You said, Lord, I want to serve you more. And you forgot about that prayer. Or maybe somebody said, Lord, bring me to missions. And you forgot that prayer. But God heard. And God remembered. And He is faithful to answer that prayer. Even if we forgot. He still remembers. 
That is the promise of God for His people. For those who fear His name. God values your words. I guess the critical question here is do you value, do we value God's word? Do we listen and even have a book of remembrance of the word of God? See, God keeps a journal. He has a book of remembrance. He keeps a journal of all our prayers. In Psalm 1, 39, verse 3 and 4, it says this, You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Say with me, completely. The Lord knows. Even before we speak, even before we open our mouth, the Lord knows. For some, this is comforting that the Lord knows. For some, this is dreadful. The Lord knows. It depends. A fun illustration is this, a t-shirt. A t-shirt that says, God knows what you did. If you did well, if you did good, even if nobody saw it, you see this shirt that says, God knows what you did. In your heart, you smile. But if you did evil things, even if nobody saw it, and you see this t-shirt, God knows what you did, you're full of fear. Tingnan mo yung katabi mo. Oh, di ba? Nakangiti kasi happy siya, di ba? God promises to spare His people. It is a promise. The question is, spared from what? God promises to spare His people. Spared from what? Spared from judgment. There is judgment. Malachi chapter 4, verse 1 says this, Surely the day is coming. It is coming. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like furnace. All the arrogant and every evil doer will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. There is judgment. There is judgment. The day is coming. But God has promised to spare His people to those who put their trust on Him, to those who serve the Lord, to those who committed to love the Lord. He says, They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in the day when I make up my treasured possession. I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. You see, in the Day of Judgment, many times when we talk about judgment, it seems that it's negative. We dread judgment. But you see, it's also in judgment when the awards will be presented. In the Day of Judgment, it is that time when the Lord would say, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. So for the people of the Lord, the Day of Judgment is a day of rewards. Amen? It's a day of rewards. And if we are standing in a right standing before God, we long for the day of judgment. Even the Apostle Paul says, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have fought a good fight. And now there's before me a crown of righteousness which the Lord our God would award to me on that day. God promises to restore His people. He will restore us. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord. He will turn our hearts, the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. See, God would initiate this. God would initiate the reconciliation. He has promised that there's going to be a turning of hearts. In this context, it talks about the family, the father and their children. But in an eternal viewpoint, this is the, our heavenly father. And this is us as children of God. That God will send the spirit of Elijah to restore the hearts of the father to their children. The hearts of the he- heart of heavenly father to his children and us as children of the Lord. 
It is God who made a way. We cannot reach up to God. That's why God reached down to us. And this is the gospel. God became man through Jesus Christ. He lived the life, the holy, perfect, sinless life that you and I failed to live. And He died the death that we should have died. Tayo dapat nandun sa cross. He took our place. And upon that cross, there was an exchange. He took away our sins and He gave us His righteousness. You see, there was judgment. There was wrath for the wicked and for the sinful. But that judgment and wrath fell on Jesus Christ. He became the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world so that we may receive the mercies of God, the forgiveness of God. Amen. Can we give God praise? Praise God. Praise God. But to all who did receive Him, receive Jesus, who believed in His name, He gave them the right to be called children of God. There was a restoration, a reconciliation between the heart of the Father and the hearts of the children. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, we all are familiar with this verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We all are sinners. We all are wicked people. The wages of our sin is death. We are all objects of wrath. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. See, God is faithful to His promise. He will spare. He'll provide judgment. But He will save as well. You see, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He has loved us, because of the great love with which He has loved you and me, in spite of who we are, in spite of what we've done, in spite of the many, many shortcomings and sin and wickedness, His love is immutable, never changing, unconditional, everlasting. With the great, with, with the great love with which He has loved you, with which He has loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, He made us alive. Together with Christ, by grace, we have been saved. There are 400 years of silence. But this 400 years of silence was broken by a cry of a baby in a manger. There are 400 years of silence. There was no word of God for 400 years. But the word became flesh and dwelt among us. There were 400 years of darkness. But Jesus came to be the light of the world. Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Can we give God praise for that? We were once in darkness. But Jesus became our light. Our main point is this. Jesus is the affirmation of God's faithfulness and the fulfillment of God's promises. It is Jesus. Praise God. Can I ask you all to stand? Word of God says this, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, deep darkness the people. But the Lord has risen upon you. And His glory shall be seen in you. First Peter chapter 2, verse 8, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim, shout out, sing aloud, advertise, the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness and brought us to His wonderful light. Remember this. Remember the goodness of our God. Amen? Let's lift up our hands before the Lord. Father in heaven, we bless you. We give you glory. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your love that is unchanging. Thank you, Lord God, for who you are and for what you've done. 
Lord, we are your people. You are our God. In our heart of hearts, we serve you and you alone. We give you all the praise. We give you all the worship. We bless you, not just with the songs, but with our lives. Let your name be glorified. Let your name be exalted. Let your name be magnified upon the lives of your people. We live to give you glory. For it is due your name. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. We give you glory, Lord. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give God praise? Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'd like to say a prayer for a certain group of people here. You see, we, we've been talking about the love of Jesus, the, the grace of God. If you have not made Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'd like to give you an opportunity to make Him Lord over your life. And once you make Jesus Lord over your life, lights will come in into our lives. For Jesus is the light in the life of men. If this is you, please pray this prayer with me. Just mean it from your heart. In fact, I would like to ask everybody in this room to pray this simple prayer. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I come before you just as I am. Lord, there is darkness in my heart. There is sin, Lord. Lord, I confess that I am a sinner and I need a Savior. Lord, I confess with my mouth that Jesus, you are Lord. And I believe in my heart that you are raised from the dead. Lord, forgive my sins. And I now accept by faith your free gift of eternal life. From this day forward, I declare, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. In Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. Let's give God praise.